I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Dave and Degenevich, a new conversation. All right, here we go. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Live from the University of Utah. This time it will be about defending my own record. We're going to lay out the contrast tonight, and it's on. This is Dave and Degenevich, special coverage of Utah's vice presidential debate on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Down is on. We are just a mere nine hours away from the first, the only vice presidential debate. Of course, Utah, the University of Utah hosting the debate that will be broadcast uh, across the country. Just getting word moments ago from our producer, Andrew Hull, who's keeping track of all the latest developments. Uh, National pollster Scott Rasmussen often does polling for our colleagues at the Deseret News. Just releasing this new poll, Dave, it shows uh, Biden ahead 12 points. Ahead 12 points uh, in Rasmussen's poll. I, I want to point out earlier today, uh, got up this morning, 4 a.m., checked uh, the polling, saw CNN had Biden ahead 16 points. It's a little bit of a difference there, but but still uh, consistently ahead in the polls. Okay, be honest right now. If President Trump does win after seeing these double-digit leads in the polls, do we ever do polls again? Or can we just throw the polls away forever? A few minutes ago, we took a deep dive into Vice President Mike Pence and Senator uh, Kamala Harris's uh, debate tactics, their skills. Um, let's uh, now speak to a real debate coach and really dive into debate etiquette and rules and what we should expect from the candidates. Yeah, joining us now is uh, Mark Galavis. How are you feeling after you watch the first debate? I, I would imagine as a debate coach, you're watching it. Were you pulling all of your hair out? Well, uh, I, I think, and, and hello, thank you for having me. I, I think calling it a debate does a disservice to the term debate. So I think we need to look at it from that framework. Uh, that's no more a debate than you could call a Twinkie a full meal. So I think you really have to disseminate what that was, and, and, it, and it clearly was not a debate. Well, you just got an A for this discussion. That's, that's <laughs> a line. That's a line right that there. That is amazing. Uh, so did you, gave, did you give President Trump an F after last week's debate? And if so, what did you give uh, uh, Biden, Mr. Biden? I gave Biden a D minus, and only because he was able to answer a little more clearly, did not interrupt as much. And because the bar was pretty low anyway, both I, I think neither candidate would would pass my course as presently constituted. So, <laughs> well, were you grading uh, on a D, curve? Or were you grading on a curve uh, for yeah, those? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> if, if I had to grade on the curve, I, I, I think I'd have to throw the curve out as well. So there's there's that. There's a couple things that really stood out to me, and, and uh, from your expertise, obviously th this probably just made you cringe when you heard some of the name calling uh 
Senator Biden called the the president a clown, told him to shut up, and then obviously the president interrupting at every every uh, stop. The name calling, I would guess, is at the top of the list of the no no. Uh, yes, it is. I, I think you have to create a space of of respect and understanding, and that cannot occur if you have participants uh, empowered to take kind of the rules into their own hands. A good debate is facilitated by clear criteria and respect for one another. They don't have to respect the issues. They don't have to respect uh, what they're what they're saying, but they should respect their time and their ability to be there. And you can't have a conversation if you're so balled up in emotion. We see this daily in our own homes. Many of our conversations go off the rails because we we look at just the emotion content of those conversations. And when that happens, we stop listening. And once that occurs, we're no longer debating. We're just shouting off and, and we're doing what happens on Facebooks and all the other things is just getting on top of a, a soapbox and screaming at each other. So, again, good facilitated debate has to have that as part of the process to, to really work. Mark Galaviz is the director of forensics at Weber State University. He's also served as an advisor and coach of several national championship speech and debate teams. Mark, we're so grateful to have you with us because I think what our listeners really deserve is to know what they should be expecting tonight from the candidates if there is to be a real honest-to-goodness debate. So take it, take it away. What should we be looking okay. for? Yeah, I, I think, first of all, I, I think a good glimpse of what it could be, even from candidates that don't like each other, were, were one of the final debates we saw between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And, and if, if folks remember that, there was a moment at the end of, of one of the debates where they were asked what they liked or what they thought was positive about one another. And President Trump gave an answer that I think was was, was very good. He said, that Hillary Clinton is a fighter, and I respect that. And I respect someone who can fight no matter what the cause. And that's kind of the tonality that I think you need to begin with, not end with, begin with. And so they are both capable of doing that. So when we bring it to the debate we're looking forward to tonight is, first of all, you have clear criteria. And and, and you need to understand that the active debate involves the use of, of those essential skills. Of course, there's confidence, but there's coherence. Did we well. lose Mark? I think uh, we may have there? lost him. But incredible insights, Debbie. I love listening to him describe what a debate is supposed to look like. Mark, are you still with us? I am. Are, are I you think not there? We had some technical difficulties back into the in the control room. Yeah, Debbie. When I when I hear it, when I think about uh, what a debate is supposed to look like, what I want a debate to look like, and as Mark described it. Again, you don't need to agree. You don't need to have... I think we got uh, a little Tim Hughes <laughs> joining us into the conversation. Hey, Tim, you're live on the air. Go ahead and uh, turn down your microphone. Talk about interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? This is probably a great point, right? Look how, how somebody interrupting kind of throws us off our, our thoughts and our train. That is done on purpose don't think for a second whenever this was interrupted uh that all right forget it we're not even gonna try i'm dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast cold in october of 1985 a woman named sheree warren left work at a busy salt lake city office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership she never made it home 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.